so I appreciate that more than you'll know. And I know all the pastors appreciate that more than you know. I'm going to wait till you get these because this is real important, okay? Be fast. Mike, are you being fast? You got to be faster, man. You're too slow. You're sitting there looking. Throw them out. Just throw them at people. We got plenty. Start throwing them. You don't have to count. If you got extra, they'll pass them to the next row, man. We got we to gotta get this show on the road. We ain't got all day. <laughs> Mikey's going to every row and counting them all. We got to go, Mikey. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you have your Bible while they're doing that, you can look at a couple places in Scripture. I want you, don't put this notebook up. Whoever's got a notebook, lift your notebook. I want you to hold on to this the whole service. Don't write in it. Don't make sermon notes. This is the one time I'm going to tell you, don't make sermon notes in this, okay? This has got to stay just like it is for me, okay? So everybody got a notebook. If you don't, I've got some other stuff up here I can give out. We got one right here in the middle, Miss Val. She'll get to you. She's on the back row. Anybody else need a notebook? All right, all right, all right. If you have your Bible, you can turn to two places. One's very familiar. Actually, just turn to one because one you know I'll read it. Turn to Psalm 39, 139, excuse me, Psalm 139. Anybody else need a notebook? Wow, we did a good job. All right. Thank you guys for handing out the notebooks. And Mikey, I was just messing with you a little bit, sort of. Psalm 139, verse 15, but I'm going to start somewhere else. And if you want to stand, you can, okay? I'm not going to be lengthy, and I'm not going to even try to act too crazy, but no promises. I'm going to start with Jeremiah 1.5. You know this verse. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I anointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now I want to read Psalms 139, 15, and 16. When my bones were being formed, by the way, this is David talking, but it applies to all of us. When my bones were being formed, carefully put together in my mother's womb. Isn't that beautiful? To think about God putting your bones together in your mother's womb. When I was growing there in secret, you knew that I was there. You saw me before I was born. The days allotted to me had all been recorded in your book before any of them ever began. Before you had a day on this earth, God had a story in mind for you. You may be seated. You are a God story. <laughs> you are a God dream. God wrote you your existence into the heavens before you were even miraculously put together or thought of or before your great-grandpapa ever thought of your great-grandmama. God wrote a story for you. Now, here's the crazy thing. It's a good story. And the problem is so many of us have bought into the fact that our stories are tragedies. We've already bought into that fact. And so we've, we've accepted that fact for our life. 
But Jeremiah 29, 11 says the opposite. It says, the plans I have for you are great. They're not, they're not to destroy you. They're to prosper you. They're to give you hope and a future. The story that I have written for you is a love story, a success story, a great story, an adventure story. Wow. God has a great story for you and me. And so I, I, I was thinking about that. I've been thinking about a lot of stuff about stories. Halloween, they have ghost stories. And when I was a little child, I used to love for my mama to read me stories. I hope that in this tablet age, I don't know because ours are old. <laughs> er, I hope they still read stories. I hope you still read stories to your kids. I hope you still read stories. I hope you grown-ups still read stories. <laughs> I hope you still read stories. I hope you're... I hope you dare to have adventure in your heart. Not to accept things, but to read the stories. And, and, and here's the powerful thing. God has written a story that you're destined to walk in. But there's somebody else at play here. And you, you know, you probably think I'm going to say devil, Satan, Lucifer. No, 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 no. That will get to that. He gave you an eye. The option to write the story. Now, he, he has a plan. I mean, we have a script that if we follow, our life is going to be blessed. We're going to walk in purpose, and we're going to change lives, and we're going to change our children's lives, and our children will be following our footsteps. If we follow the script. Now, it's controversial. Not everybody believes choose you this day, <laughs> as Joshua says. A lot of people believe that we don't have a choice in this story. But I'll tell you this right now. As far as me, I believe that's the one thing God succeeded to you and I in his omnipotence. As I believe that's called a soul, I believe he gave us a choice to choose I don't think you were made to struggle. I don't think you were made to be miserable. I don't think you were made to be addicted. I don't think you were made to hurt. I, I think we have a choice in what we write in our book. And I think that's a gift from God. I don't think the river has a choice. I don't think the river decides how to flow. I think God set that in motion and designed it, and it flows just like God tells it to flow every day. But there's something different between me and you and a river and a rock. He gave us a soul, and he gave us a choice, and he said, I love these people. They're my creation. They're my bride, and I'm giving them a choice whether they love me or serve me or not. But believe you me, that choice comes with a consequence. Our life, everything flows from that choice. Our children's lives flow from that choice. What we choose. Now, there is a Satan. And unlike a lot of people in this room, or I don't shouldn't say that, a lot of people in the country, I don't have a huge problem with Halloween. Christians, just as, a, just as, unsec, as just a secular, at least Halloween lets us know up front it's more honest. I mean, Christmas says, oh, we're, we're about Jesus. Really? <laughs> I mean, at least Halloween's honest. 
I'd rather somebody lie to my face, tell me the trick, you know what I mean, and then trick me. <laughs> but there is a Satan. He was an angel. And Jesus said, I saw you fall like lightning from the sky. And he's not God's equal. He's not set. Jesus is equal. They're not rivals. There is no rival. He's just a fallen angel, one of God's creation. But he has a different story in mind for your life and my life. He wants you to write something a little different than what God wants you to write. He, he, he wants things to go a little different for your story. And so he's in the background telling you what to do, what to write down. So you got God who has created you with this purpose and told you what to write in this beautiful blank book. And then you got Satan telling you, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Write what you've always wrote. Write something different. And then there's a third party at play. There's you. There's four parties. There's God. There's you. There's Satan. And there's a fourth party. And that's other people in your life. And, and, and not all of them are possessed by Satan. Not all of them are, are worship. They don't have 666 on their head. And they don't spend a night and they don't pray to hell Satan and all this stuff. They're, they're not all that way. But they want to influence what you write in your book. They want to control what goes in your book. And there's a lot of options. There's a lot of reasoning behind that. Some of it's psychological. Some of it's like they just don't want you to be happy. They want somebody else to be miserable with her. Or, or, or maybe they do want to control you. Or maybe, I don't know all the reasons. But there's other people who try to influence what you write in your book. So Satan wants you to write certain things. And people want to write certain things. And God has destined you to write certain things. But in the end, what you write is your choice. So here's what I want you to do. Get your book. Let me see your books again. Put your books in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Somebody on the left, somebody on the right. Just, no, I'm just kidding. Huh? Oh, rapid. You, you all can't handle if I really bust loose. You just can't handle it. My wife has to put up with the real Heath. You all get the reserve calm one, believe it or not. She gets the... We'd be getting our groove on, wouldn't we? We might put on that record and get a groove. You have your book. Now, if you don't, don't start, don't start borrowing people's or getting distracted. So you don't have to do it right now. If you have a pen on you, you can do it right now. Or you can do it when you get home. The only thing I want you to write on that book is the cover. You see the cover that's composition book? Oh, that was a science when I was in school. The dreaded lab book. And the only thing I want you to do on that cover is write today's date. If you have it, you can do it when you get home. I don't want you to get distracted and go through. My grandma could spend 30 minutes looking through her purse, getting through all the Skittles and biscuits from the food bar and everything else. And Lord knows if you knew my wife, why she won't put the debit card in her wallet, I don't know. But I want you, when you get home, to put just the date 
on the front. Now, I want to I show you something about this little book. This little book, I want you to keep Put in your Bible. If you're like me, I've got a thousand papers in my Bible. Put it in the back or something. I want you to open it up to the front page. What's on it? What? There's lines, but is there anything on it? It's blank. Now, here's the thing. I was telling you about stories, right? We got a, God has a story for you. God's story, and, and the devil wants to write a different story, and, and, and people want to ch- change you to write a different story. And, but here's the thing. You all have something else besides a story. You have something called a history. I have a history or a backstory, and a history means it's a volume before this book. Now, this book you have today has today's date, but there's other books they go back a long way. And here's the craziest thing. We spent a lot of time rereading those books. But I'm here to tell you there's nothing I or anybody else can do today about those other books. They're gone. They're done. But this book dated October 30th, 2022. Is totally blank from this point forward. Well, I'm a victim. I just I, no. You will take a pen to paper today. Choose you this day who you may serve. You will take a pen to paper. And you will write something on this book. Now you say, well, well, I'll just leave it blank. No, you won't leave it blank. You're existing. You're doing something. You're going to write something today. You're writing the first page of the rest of your story. And you're doing that today. And you have control over what to write. So what do we write? Some of us, we want to say, well, I don't really care about this page. I'm going to skip ahead about 20 pages and write some stuff there. I'm going to have some fun down the road, man. It's going to, be, it's going to finish good. It's, this story is going to finish good. But what about all the pages in between? Now I want you to pay something else attention about this notebook. Thumb through it. I can tell you that you can't write a long book in this story. It's a reminder that you and I don't have long. As we get old, we start having help things. We may not have many pages. That's not to be macabre or sad because we got this one. But it's a reminder that we better start writing. That we don't have time to put off writing. Because the only page I know you have and I have is this first one. In fact, if I'd have had time 
And I, maybe I should have took time, but Lord knows that had been a long time. And Lord knows my kids love me and my wife loves me, but they don't, I don't think they love me that much. We had ripped out every page but one as a reminder that that's the only one you know you got. The only thing you have control over in your life right now is what you do this moment. That's it. And we, but we spend so much time stressing about the other pages, the backstories or the forward stories that may never come to pass. When our focus should be on that one. Because that's the story that you have the power to write today. What will the rest of your story look like? And what will your story today look like? I would submit to you, that's up to you. I can't want it for you. I don't even know all the answers. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. I can't go around this room and I can't go around this room and say, well, now, Josh, this is what your story's supposed to look like. And, and, and Gerald, this is what you're supposed to write. I, I don't even presume to be that omnipotent and important. But I know that my goal is to see you write the one that God scripted you to write. Because that's where purpose is and that's where passion is and that's where love is and that's where life is. And you know what else? There's people reading your story besides you. I watch these shows. I never did it. I don't know if my sister ever had a diary. But you watch those old Brady Bunch, and, you know, Jan would read Marsha's diary about some boy being so pretty, and, you know, they'd have a fight. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha! You know? It's, it's your story, but there's people reading your story. You don't think your kids read your story? Well, I tell them this. They don't care what you tell them. They're reading what you write. Well, I'll show them how to work. Great. They'll be, they'll be richer when they go to hell. Whoa! <laughs> I'm joking. Your children aren't going to hell. That was a mean thing to say. But as a generation, we're losing a generation. We are losing a generation. They're putting needles in their arms and they're taking their own lives. learning how to live without God or serving God and that scares me so real quickly you have a story but the Bible is also it's the word of God it's true it's living it's powerful it's organic but it is also laid out as a collection of stories true stories by story I don't mean fake your story isn't fake. It's real. It's just, a, it's just your life. And so what it is, is it's God, God's powerful plan and purpose as laid out through the stories of regular people. Some people say flawed people, but I think that's a, an unnecessary word because all people are flawed. We'll just say people. I don't like to put too many unnecessary words in there, right? I guess that's a way to say, you know, I don't know. I don't want to get in that. It's a religious term. Flawed people. 
Just say people. Because if you're a people, you're flawed. And so it's a collection of stories of people who had two powerful things. Listen to this. Especially the gospel. They had a backstory or a history. And then they had a chance to write a story. Their stories are so influential. They not only influence their children and other people, but they're still influencing us millions and millions and millions of people thousands of years later. And, and so I just want to talk about a couple of these stories real quick. And then we're going to do something with this notebook. Don't put it up, and then we're going to be done. Number one, Mark 25 through 34, there was a woman in a well, right? And here's her backstory. Her backstory is, we know some of these people's backstory or history, but we don't know all of them. And that's what you're saying with you and me. You know some of my story because I've shared it. I know some of your stories if you've shared it. But you don't know my whole story, which is why I like people just to punch them in the face when they act like they do. When I hear people judging other people, I just want to punch them in the face. Because it's ignorant people who talk about things they don't know the whole story. When a, somebody comes to me and asks a legal question, I won't even try to answer until I know the whole story. A good doctor won't even try to prescribe medicine until they know the whole story. Don't you ever judge somebody unless you know the whole story. And the only way you know the whole story is if you're walking in their shoes. But we know some of her story. And this lady's story was this. She'd had five husbands. And she was living with another dude. And she was looking for another dude to just change him in for. Now, I'm not judging this lady. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, number one, she was at the well at a time women didn't go to the well. Women went to the well mornings and evenings and went in groups to get water. But if you went in the middle of the day, you were looking for a guy to come. It's like being on the street corner at night. Let's just be honest. There's certain spots you know where to look if you're in that lifestyle. And that's what she was doing. Get this. She was looking to hook up. I thought she was thirsty. She was thirsty. <laughs> She was looking to hook up. She had a backstory though, and you don't know the old backstory, and I don't know the back. Why was she looking to hook up? Had she? We don't know. Maybe life had let her down. Maybe people had let her down. Maybe she never had a father in life. Maybe she was sexually abused all of her life growing up. You don't know her story. <laughs> we know she had a hole in her soul, looking for something to fill it. And I have news for you. So do you and I. And only God will fill that hole. And so she goes to the well looking to make a deal. <laughs> she had, and there was something about that seventh man. That man come by. <laughs> and he wasn't looking to give her any money. And he wasn't looking for a good time. <laughs> looking to change her life and it was scandalous he would even come up to her but he went up to her anyway it's amazing the world don't like you when you talk to certain people <laughs> Jesus did it anyway and he walked up and here's what this lady recognized I want you to get this she couldn't do anything about her backstory. Whatever was done to her, whatever she ended up doing as a result of that. And I'm not, I'm not taking away people's blame or culpability. We all have culpability. There's people who are treated badly growing up, they end up being presidents. I get that. I'm not saying she has no choice. There's no, no question we all have a choice. We write our own story. But I'm just telling you that sometimes there's stuff that happens in our life that gets in our head and gets in our heart and 
she had a backstory, and I don't know the whole backstory. But when she intersected with Jesus, you got to get a hold of this. That day when she intersected with Jesus, she understood one thing. It took her a minute. She didn't even understand the theology. She didn't understand everything he said. But she understood one thing. This day at this well, I have a blank paper. And I have a choice of what I'm going to write. I can't change all the things I've done. But this day at this well, standing beside this man, I've got a blank page. So you know what she did? Something he said to her resonated her. And she flipped the script. She changed her story. Such that she left her, her vase by the well. And she left the well. And she went back to the town. The same guys who probably, in that, especially in that time, I mean, Lord, I know we live in the most religious, closed-minded place in the history of the world. Not really, but we're up there. But she was in a more religious, closed-minded place. And she went back to that same town where she had no reputation, and she became an evangelist. And she started going around saying, here's what she wrote in her book. Come hear a man. Come see a man who taught me everything I ever knew. Come see a man who changed my story. Come see a man who changed it all. Some people say, what's the significance of the vase? You know what, you know what leaving her vase behind was? Her vase was her enabling tool that let her go connect with me, and that was her excuse to go be there. You know what my vase or your vase could be? Could be your cell phone. Could be your social media page. Could be your phone number. Could be people hanging around with. Could be your job. It could be the stuff we pump in our life. It could be your apathy. It could be your excuses. It could be your pride. could be your anger. But she left it beside the well that day. There's another lady with a different backstory in Mark 5. And oh, oh, I jumped ahead to Mark 5. That's not a lady. That's the Gadarene. In Mark 5, but it is in Mark 5, 25 through 34 after, after the Gadarene. There's another lady with a backstory. Her backstory is this. She had been for 12 years labeled as a dysfunctional enemy of God, sick, pitiful, pathetic invalid. <sighs> Nobody likes invalids, right? We like them a little feel sorry for them until you have to start taking care of somebody. It gets hard. I don't mean that realistically. We don't, we really love invalids. I'm just saying it's hard. But in that time, it was a different kind of hard because she had been rejected. She couldn't be touched. She couldn't be in the same house with somebody. She was outcast as God had, they thought, turned her back on her, turned his back on her. Her whole life, her whole identity would have been sick, damaged, rejected, hated by God. Pitiful, lonely, lonely like you and I can't imagine. A lonely like you couldn't even go to the store and be around somebody. A lonely like you couldn't even go to church. You couldn't go to the temple. That's a lonely. Not a single person could hold your hand. There weren't cell phones. You couldn't even talk. You couldn't even get on the phone. Yo, I'm in quarantine. What's up? You were definitely isolated. 
That was this girl's, ladies, back story. That's her history. But there was one day her life intersected with a man named Jesus. And she realized something. She realized that, you know, out of the 12 years, she she'd spent all of her money. She was broke. <laughs> like a broke. Like not Kanye broke, like real broke. She couldn't change that that day. But she realized that day she had a blank page. She could keep writing sick, dysfunctional if she wanted to. She could write pitiful, hate God, mad at God, mad at everybody if she wanted to. Or she could write something different that day. She took a chance. She broke the rules. She broke the law. <laughs> she broke the Bible. That'll mess with your theology. <laughs> I know what numbers say, but I got to get Jesus. <laughs> and she pushed through that crowd. And she took a chance and she wrote her story when she grabbed the hymn. And Jesus said, whoa, somebody touched me. It was on a Monday. Somebody touched me. Oh, y'all left me hanging. That was horrible. That was horrible. I want to know something. Why wouldn't Pastor R, my father, I know it's weird calling him that, but you all don't understand. If I say granddad or dad, some of you are going to get confused. It's kind of like calling Prince, you know, or something, the symbol. I don't know. It's weird to me. When he, but when you start singing, they help you out. When I start singing, they leave me hanging. I don't know why. I mean, I see start singing, and it's like a, it's like a revival in 1986 broke out. When I start singing, people look at me like they just saw a deer get slaughtered or something. It's a bizarre thing. I had to push. I, I stopped too early. Well, I don't have that faith yet. You better help me. Jesus said, somebody touched me. And they said, there's a, there's a thousand people touching you. We're trying to get at it. We're in the middle of a field in a Tennessee-Alabama football game. Sorry, Mikey, but baby, go Vols, go Good old Rocky Top. You all seen those pictures? A sea of people. A sea of people. And that's what Jesus' procession would have looked like. What do you mean somebody touched me? There's a thousand people touching me. They're pushing it all over. But Jesus said, no. Somebody wrote a different story. Somebody put some pen to paper. Somebody changed their story. And so that woman, the rest of her story wasn't dysfunction and pain and sickness. That day she became well, and she became an inspiration that day. Her story became an inspiration for millions of people throughout the epochs of time to learn that you can write a new story. That your sickness doesn't have to define you. Sin doesn't have to define you. <laughs> now, I said we was going to get to the gathering, or I hinted at it when I skipped ahead. 
he's an interesting character to talk about at Halloween because he probably would be a Halloween type dude. But it just he just likes Halloween. He's just cool like that. He, you know, ain't nothing to it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. And so, this guy had been really dysfunctional. His backstory was he hung out in graveyards. Not one night a year and looked cool. And then, you know, you know what? Most of those people, there are real people who, who deal with evil stuff and they let evil stuff in. And I believe with all my heart when you let evil stuff in, there are repercussions to your life. And I believe most people let evil stuff in don't intend to leave, let evil stuff in. But most of those people that dress in those cool costumes, I think they're cool. I don't care. I don't watch their movies because I battle real demons and don't really impress me. It's not realistic enough for me. My wife and I, tell you, I don't even like science fiction because it's just, sorry, Josh. I just, I got to believe in it. <laughs> I mean, I got to be able to say I, I could see that happening. And I guess I'm just small-minded or something. But most of those guys that look so cool and tough and blooded out and gothed out, man, all you got to do is go behind, boom, oh! they, They'll run to mommy real quick when something really go down. <laughs> when they get real evil. And but that guy would have really been the real deal. He'd been cutting himself in the graveyard. They couldn't restrain him. He was just madman. Nobody could be around. He was uncontrollable. If he'd been in this church, we'd have to stop the church right now and deal with him. He could not control himself. And we look at that and we think, man, what an evil dude. And he had a lot of demons in him. But I've always been fascinated with backstories. And we know a little of his backstory that much. But what did he do to let those, all those devils in? He was a little baby at one point with purpose, a cute little thing. Cute. What happened to his life? Are we just so quick to call everybody evil and hate him? Or can we look at what happened to him? Had he been locked in chains and beaten with a stone by his father? Had he, had he, been, had he been abused? Had he been tormented? Or had he made his own mistakes that let stuff in? I don't know. But he had let a legion of demons inside him. It's a bad backstory. And Jesus went all the way across the sea, the lake, through a tempest. To only see that one guy. I don't want to deal with people like that. I do. Because <laughs> Jesus did. Because Jesus does. And because the Bible says I have to follow Jesus and that's what I'm supposed to do. And if I'm following Jesus, then I guess I better get across the boat and get across the lake and start dealing with some gadarenes instead of closing my doors on October 31st. Oh, please, Lord, let the evil away from me. Get out there and change the evil. Get out there and spread your love. what I got in me is stronger than what they got in them. I'm not scared of them. I ain't scared one bit. Sorry, Stephen. I scare Stephen to death. 
But you know what's interesting? Despite all those demons in him, we're, we're getting there. Despite all those demons in him, all those books are the most unimaginable deeds probably in his history. That day when Jesus' foot hit the shore, in the midst of all of his dysfunction, he recognized he was possessed, but he still recognized that he had a blank page. Whoa, but he's dealt with all this bad stuff. He's possessed. He, oh my goodness, he did a Ouija and he did all this stuff and he loves Freddy Krueger and he's done all this stuff and he's awful and he's awful and he's awful. But that day he realized that he had a blank page. That he had a choice. Now, those devils didn't have a choice. Do you get that? Angels don't get the choice. Oh, I just want to be an angel. No, you don't. Angels are beneath us. We've got the choice. God gave it to us. Those demons didn't have no choice. Whatever Jesus said, they's going to do. And you know what? If God wanted it to be that way, it could be so with that man. It could be so with you and me. But that day on that shore, God did something really powerful. You've got to get a hold of it. We had an incident up here, and I don't have time getting all that, but there were thousands of demons and one man. God gave the one man a choice, but he didn't get the thousands of demons. The thousands of demons pled, Jesus, please let us put us in those pigs. And so he put them in the pigs and they went over the cliff. That man had a choice. That Gadarene man had a choice. He could have went over that cliff with those pigs. He chose something different. He had a blank page. And he said, I've been hanging out with these pigs and demons too long. I've been cliff diving. I've been cutting myself. I've been, today, I'm starting a new page. And I'm writing a new story. So the pigs ran off the hill and died. But that man sat at Jesus' feet. And his life changed. And Jesus and he said, I want to go hang out with you, Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm not sure yet about that. No, I'm just kidding. Jesus says, you stay here. Because this might be the only time my feet hit this island. I got a cross to climb. But you're going to be here a while, son. Now you go out, you become an evangelist. And you tell them who Jesus is. And you tell them to start writing their own story. You tell them to write their story. These three people in the Bible, they flipped their script and they wrote a new story. They had a backstory. They had a history. And, and, and their history was not a good story. And I'm not sure it was all bad and all good. I think that's simplistic. I think we tend to label everything as all bad or all good. And honestly, it's probably a little bit of both. But they were not functioning. And that day they made a choice to change their story. They had a choice to what to put in the pages. All they had was that one page, but they have a page. Let me tell you something you may or may not know. Your story matters. Now, when I say that, everybody wants to grab a mic and tell me your history. And I'll be honest with you. I love this refuge and how it's blowing up. 
But I'm not so much, I know we got to share some things and dig into some things, and I get that. But I'm not so much interested in the history as about the first page of the rest of your story. Because <laughs> honestly, it don't press me. I mean, we can, we can all get, I've always, we've all been in those meetings where everybody wants to just tell how cool they were when they were in sin. It's like, you don't sound cool to me. But I do believe that God has given a powerful group of people a fresh page. And I think it's time. So when I talk about your story matters, I'm not talking about just your history. Psychology, and I'm not against psychology and medicine and all that great stuff. I don't hate my sister. I, she... <laughs> backwards looking and they spend years dealing with your past dealing with your past and Jesus didn't really do it that way you recognize the past and you recognize what Jesus brought you out of but you spend your time writing your story and if we spend all of our time reading our history we'll never get to the story that you're meant to write I, but I want to tell you this. Your story matters. Not just your history. Your story, you got to get this. Your story from this day forward matters. Do you understand that? Because the devil, again, remember what? It, he's trying to change your story. People in your life are trying to change your story. But, but, but God has a story. And your story from this day forward is what matters. It matters. You matter. You're here for a reason. And I want to read a couple of scriptures just to kind of drive that home. Second uh, Corinthians 5 and 10. You don't have to look at it. You, you can look at it or you can just trust me. I'll read it. For we must all stand before Christ. All. Does it say just some of us? I think it says the sinners only. Does it? It says all must stand before Christ to be judged. We will each, baby, you need to make me wear my glasses. She tries. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, I want to look at Revelation 20, 11 through 12. And I'm not getting all, look, I know if we want to do a whole study on the two, the, I know we can do that. I'm not going to do that today because that's not what the Holy Spirit's trying to minister. But I want to read two verses from Revelation 20. This is John, the last man standing. Friend of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't care if the, I don't want lawyer on my epitaph. I don't want nothing. You know what I want? Friend of Jesus. <laughs> you know, when we go to, I, I'm, I'm going to name drop just to make a point. When we go to Nashville or something, certain circles, we can say, I'm a friend of so-and-so, and it gets some doors open for us. Makes me feel special and cool, right? Oh, but there's a door I want open. <laughs> and the name I'm going to drop, it's going to be, I'm a friend of Jesus. And, <laughs> 
And I believe you're going to see your mama there. I believe I'm going to see my grandparents. I believe I'm going to sit down and talk to Peter a little bit. I believe some stuff's going to happen. I believe this stuff. It's real. And there's nothing on this planet that interests me like that. Revelation 20, 11 through 12. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, the earth and sky filled from his, fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. The books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done, as was recorded in the book. What we do today has been recorded. And when I was a kid growing up, and I'm not insulting anybody, in a very judgmental re religious theology that you just pray every night, please, Lord, if Jesus comes. I, 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 I gave my heart to Jesus every night because I was afraid if he came back and I wasn't saved. It scared me. I did it every single night of my existence till I probably got a certain age that I lost my fear and that's where it all went south. We'd probably all be better off that way. <laughs> Prayed every night because I was scared. I didn't want to be without Jesus. I couldn't imagine being separated from my wife forever to never see her again. Because of what I put in this book. So I grew up that way, afraid of the book. But as I've started thinking about this thing, I'm looking at it a little differently now. Because it says, he writes down not just the good, not just the bad, but the good. See, when I was a kid, I was just focused. I didn't want anything bad in here. But I'm not here to tell you that maybe we should change our focus. I'm not saying you should go do bad things. I'm saying maybe we should be more concerned about the good things you write in this book. Because we could all lock ourselves up and be mad and pitiful and not touch anything and not do anything good or bad. And what kind of book would that be when God opened it? You see, your story matters because not only are your children reading your book, not only are your neighbors reading your book, not only is your family reading your book, not only is people that God has you put here on this earth to touch, not only are they reading your book, <laughs> But one day, creation, you're going to stand before a judgment. And he's going to open that book. And he's going to say, here's what you wrote. Here's what I had written for you, man. Look what I had written for you. Here's what you wrote. But, but God, I was, I was, I was, I was, but, 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 but. There is no But. There's what did you write? What did you write? So do you say your story matters? It matters enough that God is recording it and God's going to read it back for you every word. I think it matters. I think it matters. Because you have a choice. You have a choice. The devil says you don't have a choice. You have a choice. 
what to write in your story. We all have that choice. It's mind-blowing to think that God wrote a story for us. God gave us the choice, though, what to write. And now God's recording it all and going to play it back for us. That's mind-blowing that what you do matters enough to God that he's actually writing it down today. Well, I'm just laying in my recliner, scratching my belly. (laughs) What you do is important to God. What you don't do is important to God. What you write is eternal. I just read the scriptures. What you do today is eternal. Oh, people will forget. (laughs) They might, they will. But it's eternal because it'll be read back to you and me. Every word of it. Every bad thing you've said, every bad thought, but every good thing. See, it's all, we look at this bad thing. Man, those rock and prison services, they're going to be written down. I get to relive that stuff, man. I get to relive that stuff. The power of God blowing out on an altar. People's lives being changed. We get to relive that stuff together in eternity and glory. And that's the high that won't come down. Your story matters. What are you going to put on the page today? I'm finishing. I want to say this. I started thinking about this word. Those that went to prison might remember. Roman gave a good word, and a powerful, awesome word. I was just standing there. You know, I'm, I'm in the spirit, and I'm trying to listen to worship. And when you're doing this kind of thing, you're always thinking about who to, who to plug in or what to do. I don't just do that to do it. I don't do it to stroke people. I don't really care about stroking people. And Roman will tell you that. be the first one to tell you about that. I could, he could tell you some stories. I won't go into it. I'm pretty blunt. I, I care about pleasing God, and I'm trying to... I'm trying in my mind to decipher what do I use, what do I do next. That's constantly. When you see these Sunday mornings, we don't have a script, and we're not doing it thoughtlessly. We're up here excruciatingly every minute trying to make sure the next step is all God. And I know we're not perfect in it, but, I mean, that's what we're trying to do. And I was up there, and I look over, and I see this little cart. We're in this VG, and we're in this prison, and we've been fighting literal hell to get in this prison. And, by the way, the reason my mother only gave you, like, a five-week notice on that party, because we not had one in three years, and God's, we've all been praying, and God's moving, and God opened that up just this week and said, you can. And, And I'm just standing in this place, this institution of walls where we're battling hell in that place. And we're trying and trying and trying to get the Holy Spirit loose in that place and fight the powers of darkness. And not that that's exclusive in prison. It's probably easier in prison. It's harder out here. But in any event, we're standing there. And I look over and I see a cart that just says M. Miller. And uh, I was like, wow. I was like, he matters. I mean, this little cart, Michael Miller, who was incarcerated for years, and and I told the prisoners this that night, the inmates, the guys, my brothers, I told them a little bit about that before Roman came up. I said, for years he was in this institution. He was the most annoying prisoner that was there. (laughs) 
I'm being honest, in my flesh, in my flesh. I, because in there, he really puffed up, and I know sometimes he could, but I mean, he really puffed up and wanted to be important. But I think more now, as I look at it back in hindsight, he was probably just Zacchaeus climbing up a tree saying, look at me, preacher, look at me, you know. But in that moment, I, 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 I said, that's one I don't really want to take on. <laughs> you know, I hope he goes somewhere else. <laughs> and I tell you, you better ask, you better watch what you say to God because... <laughs> The one I said, God, please don't put that on my watch is the one that I went and picked up and drove to Lost Creek and stayed the whole time, you know? <laughs> and he wasn't perfect, and me and Dad and lots of other people probably had 38 conversations with him and all this stuff, And but I just saw so much growth in him. And, and the problem I have with, not the problem, but the thing I notice in doing this a long time is a lot of time inmates, when they get out, and I'm not judging inmates, uh, you know, we're all different. We're just people. But a lot of times they come out strong and fire. And over time, not everybody, not, every, not all you guys, but, you know, we've done this a long time. There's a lot of people. And they fade over time, kind of like probably we do <laughs> sometimes, you know, that aren't in prison. And... Uh, but Mike didn't do that, really. He, 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 he was, but he kept kind of growing as he went, you know. It was, he was going up the mountain, you know, on the prices right. And so, by the time little Mike left this earth, he was a friend to me and my wife and this church and this community. He, you see, his backstory, I could tell you a lot of it, and half of it I probably don't know. But uh, even the parts he told me, some of it. But he had a chance. He had a blank page. And he decided to change his story. And you know what? His story matters to me. Such that I'm sitting there on a Friday night in Mountain City. Could have been thinking about a million things, including what we're going to eat, Oh, look at my wife. She's pretty tonight. I could have thought about all kinds of stuff. But I was thinking about Michael. Because his story matters. And every Friday we go in prison. Yes, I'm getting to that. Steve, thank you. Hey, hang on. You reminded me. Thank you. Every month that we go in prison, M. Miller, the llama man, carries our gear. <laughs> into prison and honestly we could get more functional carts but I forbid anybody on this team from ever replacing this cart you can get a second cart or you can add on to this cart but this cart's got to be used because Michael Miller's story matters I mean, I think about that. I think Michael in heaven just, I mean, I know he's got a, he would have a, he, in the presence of God one day. I think, me thinking just here, this is just Heath. I mean, he's going to have, a, he's not going to have the same kind of mind, the weaknesses we all have. But I think he would get a little kick out of the fact that we still talk about him now and again. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You know who I think about people a lot of people didn't think about? One of the things I love about my wife, and one of the reasons I know she's called and anointed, she loves people a lot of people don't love. 
She loves him deeply. She cries for people a lot of people don't cry for. And I know that's an anointing. It's not a job. Her job is not to treat addicted people. Her job is to keep them alive. Her calling is to win them for Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I mean, her job's just keeping them alive long enough so some Jesus can get it. You got to get a hold of that. Her calling is not treating drug addicts or alcohol addicts or whatever addict or porn addict or even whatever word you want to call it. People who struggle with, the, you know, the artist formerly known as. I don't know. But her job is not to treat. Her job is just to keep them alive long enough till some Jesus can get in there and flip the script. That's the job. But one of the reasons I know she's so called and so attacked all the time is because. I've never seen anybody in my life with a heart for those people like she has. And so I know that that's why she was put on this earth. Not to love me. I think that can be a good part of it. We'll change that story later. But it's to help people. To love those that don't love. Michael's book is closed. He can't write any more in it. I could take his book. This is his chair that Steve showed me. We had it on the seat. His story matters. Stephen, pick it up for me, please. I'm old and I can't bend over. Thank you. But Michael can't write anything else. His book is at rest. For now. Now, I, I think some of us, obviously I'm talking about him, some of us still thumb through it occasionally. And one day it's all going to be opened up again. <laughs> some of it he won't like. <laughs> some of it I won't either, but some of it will be glorious. Because the Bible has a gap. Did you know that? No, I no, 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 I don't. I mean, this is the entire word of God, and we're not going to have a physical another Bible on this planet. I get that. But I'm saying, as far as organic God's story, God's story is being woven right now. We read the end of the book, and there's a gap between the end of the the end of what we know about the New Testament church. That's where we are right now. Our stories are being woven through it. We might get to heaven and say, man, what about that one with the issue? And they might say, man, what about that time that they praise when that cancer diagnosis come and they praise and they pray? That might be something we talk about. The woman with the issue might start to shout. <laughs> what you do matters. <laughs> so, no matter what your story, backstory is, your history, we're done. Today, you and I have a fresh page. I gave you this book for real. It wasn't the most expensive thing, but it wasn't cheap to go buy 200 books. But I wanted you guys to really let this sink in. Because I think the devil and people in your lives and our own conditioned selves tell us that all it is is the back story and we have no choice you have this choice today your page is blank everybody in this room has got the same page today from Pastor R the artist formerly known as my dad 
to somebody that, that, that if, if they're here or online that was shooting up last night. We all have this page. What are we going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You can't live the rest of your story on those old stories, even if they're good. And you can't rely on them if they're bad to judge you to hell. That's your choice. I, I, I'm done. I got to say this. Lord, please, please give me some latitude. I know. Look, I've been gone for weeks. You guys got to give me a little latitude, okay? I got some stuff pinned up. I got to say a couple things. One, real quick. And I, I'm going to say something I've not said a lot. Because, you know, the, the problem I have is like bragging on your kids. You know, I mean, if mom and dad brag on Jenny, I just want to, I want to break her neck, you know? Because they love her better than me. And it bothers me. And I know it's not the same way, but I'm joking. And so we have that trouble as ministers of God because we have that trouble because we feel up here that when I brag on one, I make others upset. And that that's unfair because it should be. A, I had a basketball coach one time tell me, he said, son, <laughs> He said, You're, you know, when I was a freshman, I was barely playing. I didn't play except in blowouts. And he, he said, if you keep doing what you're doing and working hard and you trust the plan, one day the sun, the sun shines on all of you at least one day. It may not be every day, but the sun will shine on you at least one day. You'll get your sunshine. Like joy and pain, like sunshine and rain. See, you guys did so much better when I called you out. That's why I'm real with you people. So it's unfair that we sometimes don't brag on people. But the Bible, it's the problem that the Bible says give honor to who honors do. So I guess sometimes we're afraid of hurting people's feelings. So we honor people other than what God wants us to do. So right now in this very moment, very quickly, I'm going to honor what God told me to do. One of the biggest lightning rods in this church, right? not maybe so much right now, but historically, I'm going to go there. It's been Mr. Roman up there. And um, and so what you do is you don't brag on Roman because you don't want to create problems. You don't do that consciously, you do that subconsciously. Nobody sits up, nobody ever said, well, I want to brag on Roman, but I better not brag on It's not that way, but subconsciously you do things. Because there's some people, and, and when I see people continue to attack for their past, it lets me know just how much anointing they have. <laughs> and, and not just Roman, because what they've discovered, and Lord knows I've been harder on Roman than most of you in this room. Probably all of you in this room, except maybe Regan, probably close to second. You, I'm the sweetest thing to you ever was. But Roman and Lakin, they've, they've discovered how to do this together, and they're working on it, and I'm working on it, and you're working on it, and they're writing fresh pages every day, and... I'm just so convinced that you guys' story matters. 
I'm so convinced of that. Oh, I know there's backstories. <laughs> Put it on the Facebook. Woo! Fat backstories. Let me broadcast your secret thoughts on Facebook. Let's see. Let me look at your internet search history. Let me look, let me look at some things. <laughs> Woo! Let's look at some things. Let's not, somebody said. <laughs> Holly, you're honest at least. I say that not to brag on them, but to encourage them and encourage you to know that there's a lot of places or a lot of people that because of our backstories would have closed the books on me and you and Romo and Lakin. And there ain't no question who's the strongest person in that duo is. <laughs> I didn't say who it was, but see, you all assume there, didn't you? You all assume, you all laughing, like you all making a judgment call. I didn't say who. You know what? You know, we're joking. We're joking. But when you're equally yoked, God weaves together. It's not God's purpose for me to drag my wife or her to drag me through. No. He weaves us together strong for each other so that us together are stronger than us some of us individually apart if you're single that's okay Paul said it was better to be <laughs> I disagree with Paul about that by the way but it's okay nobody's making anybody feel bad I guess is my point but I just want to say God is paying attention to what people are doing and even if you don't get strokes, and if you're there and say, well, he never tells me I'm writing a good story. Well, God's paying attention. I promise you, God is paying attention. <laughs> Nobody ever brags on me. <laughs> God does. You're his favorite. You're the apple of his eye. He loves you. And today, I challenge you. I don't know why I just said that. I know I embarrassed him up there, and they probably... That's all right. You keep playing those dancing wedding videos, and I'll just make it worse and worse on you. Rome, you better, you better take control of your household if you don't want this spotlight, all right? I'm kidding. So here's the question. We're done. Hold up your book. Now look at the first page strongly. question is this. What do you think God wants you to write in that today? Second question is, what does the devil want you to write? And what does all those people in here want to write? Third question is, what are you going to write? What are you going to write today? Well, you're going to write by what you do. Your life is what's being recorded. Not what you say. What will you do today? I'll just exist. I'll do what I did yesterday. And you'll get what you got yesterday. <laughs> I'll do what I did the last 40 years. Well, you do what you got. You get what you got the last 40 years. So I challenge you today to make a conscious, intentional decision to start writing in your book the story that God wants for you. Because it's a powerful story. Adventure and love and life. The best is yet to come. The greatest is yet to come.
Let it start today. The pen's in your hand. Craft the pen is in your hand. Write it. Your choice. It's always been. Every step of the way. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I know I went over and I'm sorry, but you all have not had to put up with me for six months. Let me ask you a question. Are there people in this room you have a backstory? <laughs> Every inch, right, right? You have a history. Good and bad. Good, bad, and ugly, as the old show goes. Anybody in here with a backstory? Anybody here with a backstory that sometimes bothers you? Y'all raise my hand. I mean, I, 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 these people say, I wouldn't done anything different. Well, then you're ignorant. <laughs> that means you didn't grow from your mistakes or learn from your mistakes. If you learn from your mistakes, you'd do a lot of things different. Every mistake you made, you would do different. Put your hands up again. Some people say, you know, I want to. Can I ask you this question? How many people would like to start writing something new in your life today? And I'm not saying your life stinks necessarily, but you want to, you want to write something that is consistent with what God has in mind for your life. And that might be different than what we want sometimes. If that's you, would you just reach or keep your hand up for just a minute so I can see who God's talking to in this room? Amen. That's awesome. See, I knew I gave you those notebooks for a reason. Heaven will record what you and I do today. Every word I've said, I know I've said some funny ones and some stuff that was probably halfway irreverent or something. Maybe some God won't like too much. Maybe some he will. But everything that went on in this service is being recorded. But everything you do in response is also being recorded. And if God is touching your heart right now and you're raising your hand or you've thought about raising your hand or you felt like raising your hand or he just touched your heart, then he's inviting you to write something down. And, and why would he have you come to an altar when he could do it right where you are? I don't know. But I know if God's plan is for you to come to that altar today, I think I want to write that down today and see what God can do. And it's just the beginning of something. And I, I'm not saying you may have been this altar. You may be a, a, a saint of God for 50 years, but God is saying to you, if he's moving in your heart right now, that he wants to write something new. He wants to change your story. He's got a great story for you. The greatest adventure of a lifetime. He didn't bring you here just to tear up the book. He brought you here to keep writing. So put your hands up again. I'm just going to count to three. And if you want to come forward today, and you want the first words on your book today to say, responded to God and changed my story. If that's what you want to write as your first words, when I count to three, I want you just to come. Because you got a choice. <laughs> that's the craziest thing in the world. You got a choice today. What will be the first words on your book? Will it be, I left? I just didn't want to fool with it. I was embarrassed. I was shy. I just didn't have time. Just, I've been up there a million times. I'm embarrassed. I, what good would it do? You know, I just do it my way. And, or will it be, God didn't touch you right now for no reason. He touched you because he wants to change something. 
Let it be right now. Ready? Put the hands back up. I'm going to count to three. Put them up. Put them up. Put them up. Everybody had them up. Put them up high. One. Two. I want you to imagine a pen in your hand. Now, if God's calling you and touching you right now, come. Come. Three. Come on. Come on. Just stand. Just stand and begin to worship Him. Just stand. Today you're starting to write a new story. Come on. If you had your hand up, even if you didn't, if God's calling you, come forward. The pages are blank. The pages are blank. What do we want to do with it? You got a blank page today. All over this room, if God's calling you, then come. If God's calling you, then come. Amen. They're going to do some worship music. You can come at any time. If you want to just come pray for somebody else, you know, the first words on your book might be, I came and prayed for somebody at an altar. That might be, but I guarantee it wasn't sit there like a lump on a log. So come on, start writing your story.